Let us pray. Holy God, you have always been one who disrupts. You interrupt suffering to bring peace. You interrupt isolation to create community. You interrupt silence with the sound of alleluias. So today we ask that you would interrupt us. Stop us in our tracks with the good news that only you offer. Freeze time and move among us so that we can hear your word anew until the sound of alleluias ring in our ears. Amen. The reading today is from the Gospel according to John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. Early in the morning of the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She ran to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord from the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciple left to go to the tomb. They were running together, but the other disciple ran faster than Peter and was the first to arrive at the tomb. Bending down to take a look, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Following him, Simon Peter entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. He also saw the face cloth that had been on Jesus' head. It wasn't with the other clothes, but was folded up in its own place. Then the other disciple, the one who arrived at the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They didn't yet understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. Mary stood outside near the tomb, crying. As she cried, she bent down to look into the tomb. She saw two angels dressed in white, seated where the body of Jesus had been, one at the head and one at the foot. The angels asked her, Woman, why are you crying? She replied, they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they put him. And as soon as she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She replied, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me, for I haven't yet gone up to my father. Go to my brothers and sisters and siblings and tell them, I'm going up to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene left and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. Then she told them what he said to her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I never wanted to shut down church. When news of the coronavirus descended like an enemy invasion one month ago, I first thought we could 
stop doing everything else but the unique and defining mission of corporate Sunday worship. And when it became obvious that that was not possible, we quickly scrambled and ran around to form an amateur production team of people used to finding Jesus here in word and sacrament in one another. And now, trying our best to help you see Jesus out there, in your homes and on your devices, on your walks and in the faces of your neighbors six feet away, and in your own sometimes wandering hearts. There wasn't time to grieve what was lost or to worry about what would come next, only to attend to the most immediate needs of a church without a building, which is actually how this whole thing started anyway, at the break of dawn. While it was still dark, on that first Easter morning long ago, Mary Magdalene walked to the tomb and the Jewish Sabbath was ending and she was carrying spices to anoint the body of Jesus and she got there and the large tombstone was rolled away and she suspected the worst. Believing someone had stolen the body of Jesus, she, she runs to tell Peter and then Peter runs with the other disciple and they also see the stone missing and from that point it's like a comedy routine. Peter and the other disciples one, then the other, entering the tomb, coming back out, entering again, finding the burial cloth on the ground. It is a breathless time. And the second disciple, in the midst of all this chaos, grasped by faith that Jesus has been somehow transformed, but doesn't understand quite yet that scripture foretold Jesus must rise from the dead. So... The two male disciples see all this, experience all this, but they don't understand. So they simply go home. But Mary Magdalene stays. Not because she is any smarter or wiser to what is going on than the other two disciples. She stays because she's crying. And it's really hard to go anywhere when you're weeping. She makes a movement with her body that is very common to someone in grief. She bends down, and it is then that her eyes are surprised by something more. For where the body of Jesus should have been, there are now two angels dressed in white staring right back at her and asking her why she's weeping. I've always wondered if Mary's vulnerability stemming from her own suffering was what allowed her to see angels at work. When Mary then turns to see a man speaking to her, she mistakes him for the gardener right up to that very moment where he calls her name, Mary. And I don't know whether it was the sound of his voice or whether it was hearing the sound of her name, but she, she knows it is Jesus. And I picture her just grabbing onto him, trying to hold on, and she wants to hold on. 
She so recently lost him, first to death and then to an empty tomb. But Jesus explains what he must do, that she must let go, and she accepts that truth. She, she doesn't go home. Jesus gives her a mission to go and to tell her brothers and sisters, even in the Greek, this word is gender-inclusive, to go and tell her brothers and her sisters, and she does. She tells them, I have seen the Lord, and her words launch the movement of Christ's followers called the Way, and eventually named the Church, as translated from that Greek word, ecclesia, literally, the called out ones. This morning, the church, the called out ones all over the world will look again at this Easter scripture so we too can see the Lord, though perhaps not where we are used to seeing Jesus. This year, we are much closer than usual in our present circumstances to those first disciples who ran around and hesitated who went in and went out, who waited and wondered and wailed and then went home, who gathered in small groups of two or three, less than a dozen, on that first Easter morning. And for some time afterwards, they really struggled because Jesus did not stay where they left him. And he often appeared where they did not expect him right in the middle of their ordinary lives. The risen Savior was on the loose, and the world would never be the same. For over 2,000 years, the church has gathered in small groups and in large assemblies in different places and eras. We have been outlawed and persecuted, honored and irrelevant, hidden and exalted, weak and strong, both prophetic and unjust at times. We have struggled to live into God's mission of transforming the world, and we continue to look for Jesus, mostly in places and in ways that we have encountered him before. I wonder if that will change now. I can tell you, standing in this mostly empty sanctuary, I have come to love in the past seven months that Jesus is here with us. But I hope it is now more apparent than ever that Jesus is out there with you too. And if there is ever a time to see him anew, it is now while you stay home, while you run around for essential tasks or gather in groups of two or three or less than 10, when you remember and when you wonder and when you believe, even when you don't understand, he is here and there, though often mistaken as a gardener or appearing as a child or suffering as one imprisoned or hungry or alone or even walking beside us when we think that we are alone. One of the resources that has meant a lot to me lately is an article by a political science professor named Aisha Ahmad. She writes to her colleagues in the academic world as someone who has a lot of experience with crises around the world. 
And she encourages resistance to the scramble for hyper-productivity during the pandemic. She thinks that behind that is an underlying assumption that things will eventually return to normal after we push through with all our might. She writes, global catastrophes change the world and this pandemic is very much akin to a major war. Even if we contain it within a few months, the legacy will live with us for years and decades to come. It will change the way we move and build and learn and connect. There's simply no way that our lives will resume as if this had never happened. The emotionally and spiritually sane response is to prepare to be forever changed. She goes on to say that there are three stages in responding to crisis, and the first is security, to focus on our physical and psychological security, our homes and our loved ones, our social connectedness with others. In other words, forget your perfect offerings, your pattern workouts, and your normal social expectations. And she says the next stage, the second one, is making a mental shift to embrace what is authentic. She advises us to slow down and to let this distract you, to let it change how you think and how you see the world, because the world is our work. May this tragedy tear down all our faulty assumptions and give us the courage of bold new ideas. And stage three is a new normal. On the other side of this journey of acceptance, our hope and resilience, we will know we can do this even if our struggles continue for years. We will be creative and responsive and we will find light in all the nooks and crannies. We will learn new recipes and make unusual friends. We will have projects we cannot imagine today and we will inspire people we have not yet met and we will help each other no matter what happens next. Together we will be blessed and ready to serve. And the link from her article to Easter is that that first Easter was born in tragedy. It was born in the grief of crucifixion on a Roman cross. Fear among those who followed Jesus and anxiety about their own security was real and it was pressing. No wonder they hid and they stayed home. No wonder they locked their doors and limited their gatherings. But something happened with this resurrection and all their assumptions about what death means were shattered. Here was Jesus, alive in a new way, and his presence with them by the Spirit would be a new normal. Mary was invited into God's mission, but it was still small and contained. Go tell your siblings. Go tell the disciples. Later, much later, the new normal in the early church would lead to creativity and passion, to courage and bold new ideas to share the good news that changed the world. Later came hope and resilience and blessing and service and mission, but that all took time to adjust. Time to see the light in all the nooks and crannies to write gospels and make disciples, to sing songs, to build churches, and to ring bells. 
One of my favorite Easter stories took place in March of 1799 when Napoleon's troops massed six miles outside the town of Feldkirch, Austria, in preparation for an attack. It looked as though Bonaparte's men would take Feldkirch without resistance, but as the army advanced toward their objective in the night, the Christians of Feldkirch gathered in a little church to pray, and it was Easter Eve. After much discussion, the dean of the church rose and said, brothers and sisters, it's Easter. We have been reckoning our own strength and that fails. Let us turn to God, ring the bells and have service as usual and leave the matter in God's hands. So the next morning at sunrise, the bells of the village pealed out across the countryside. Napoleon's army, not realizing it was Easter Sunday, thought that in the night the Austrian army had moved into Feldkirk and that the bells were ringing in jubilation. So Napoleon ordered a retreat and the battle at Feldkirk never took place. The Easter bells caused the enemy to retreat and peace reigned in the Austrian countryside. How I wish that today when we sing our Easter songs and our churches ring their bells that peace would reign that wars would cease, that inequality and oppression, which is so emphasized during the pandemic, would be no more. But there are Easter miracles still yet to occur. Miracles that will take all of our creativity and commitment to work together to enact. The bells of Easter, which rang out in Austria in the presence of the enemy, were a bold claim that Christ is risen no matter what comes next, and that Christ has power over fear and death. You may know that four churches in our area here in Cleveland have bells they have been ringing on the weekends since the stay-at-home order began, including our neighbor St. Paul's and our sister church of the covenant. This year, we may feel surrounded by enemies preparing to storm the citadels of our souls. So when you hear the bells ring, or even when you hear your own lonely voice sing, perhaps the threatening forces of uncertainty and fear will retreat like unwanted invaders. And as we move through the stages of insecurity and adjustment and a new normal Maybe we can follow the lead of Leonard Cohen's song, Ring the Bells That Still Can Ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. As cracks have been revealed in our assumptions, in our preparations for crisis, in our societal safety net, and in how we think we have to do church, may we help each other see the light. For Mary and those first disciples, the risen Christ helped them to see. He did not leave them to their own devices or expect them to build upon past experience. He did not rely on their misperceptions, but rather he came to them. He turned their gaze away from what was expected and accustomed toward what was being revealed. Ask God to open your eyes, that you would see the light in all the nooks and crannies. Trust that Jesus will come to you and call out your name. 
and believe that every time peace breaks out and healing occurs, the tears turn to joy and love wins, that truly we have seen Jesus the Lord. Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Amen.